1: and welcome back to the Farms Advice Agro Roundup with your local agronomist, Martin Murray, and myself, Jack Creswell. This is a bonus episode for our listeners coming out on Fridays. Here, we will cover the basics of agronomy in a digestible format. It's good to have Martin on again and get our hands dirty in agronomy. Let's get farming. Yo, Martin, how you going, mate?
2: Yeah, hey, good, crazy. It's good to be back.
1: Absolutely. So, Martin, or Muzz, what what do you want to cover today, we're looking through cover crops. How can this help farmers throughout Australia?
2: Yeah, well, cover crops are one of those things that just at the moment, they're just attracting a lot of interest. Uh, there's a bit of research being done into it and a lot of growers are, are fairly interested. Um, I guess in the, in the main sense, for the majority of Australian like broad acre farmers, uh, we, we operate in a dryland environment. Uh, And so our fallows are really important uh, to boosting our crop yields and just trying to capture as much moisture as we can during that fallow period. So for us, I I feel like that's where cover crops have got the biggest fit, uh, particularly in say a long fallow situation, uh, behind a crop that doesn't leave a lot of stubble cover like say cotton, sorghum or um, mung beans, which break down fairly quick. Uh, you've got a real opportunity there to put in a um a cereal like plant such as oats or rye corn that gets up out of the ground gets growing grows a lot of biomass quickly and then you spray it out as soon as you can uh, to begin that fallow period uh, and just yeah start building up as much moisture as you can before the next crop
1: yeah exactly so we're ready to go on the next one do you just want to touch on like what's a long fallow and short fallow for anyone listening
2: yeah, right. No worries. So um, so basically there's two types of fallows in your normal uh, sort of farming. You've got your short fallow, uh, which is you've gone from, say, a winter crop straight back to a winter crop. So you've left the summer and then you've gone back to a winter crop. So you've just got that fallow period over the summer. Likewise, you can go from a summer crop to a summer crop and just not crop during the winter. Uh, that would still be a short fallow. Your long fallow is where you go from a winter crop to a summer crop or a summer crop to a winter crop, leaving two cropping opportunities in the middle. So you leave that, uh, you leave that, yeah, if you're going from say a summer crop, like say cotton through to wheat, yeah. uh, you'd leave that first winter crop and then you'd leave that summer cropping opportunity and go wheat falling through. So you've got those two cropping opportunities in the middle that you missed.
1: Yeah, right. Does that so make sense? Yeah, it's pure, purely just down to the timing of it. Um, what what are you doing within your area? Do you think? Like, it's, I'd imagine it's beneficial for long fallow, giving it a bit of a break and getting that moisture profile up.
2: Um, well, whether you're, uh, like, so where I am north of Dubbo, we're mainly just a winter cropping area. Uh, so we really only have a short fallow, we, we really only have a farm winter crops. Occasionally, someone might put in a bit of mung beans or a bit of sorghum, do a summer crop if they've missed that winter cropping window. But generally, we operate on a, um, oh yeah, just as a winter cropping area. So, I've only ever got that short fallow over summer. And the reason for that is we've got pretty equal rainfall across the year. Um, You know, we're not really winter or summer dominant. Uh, but we can do more with that winter rainfall than we can with that summer rainfall just because in summer, you know, it's hotter, windier, evaporate and just dry out a bit quicker. So we can get more mileage out of our winter rainfall. Uh, Say an area like Maury, that's probably more summer-dominant rainfall. Um, They've got a mixture there of, of short and long fallows and depending on what they've got going on in their rotation. And where they're moving to, they'll probably have a mixture of short and long fallows and winter and summer crops. Uh yeah, it just sort of depends on, on what they're doing.
1: Yeah, precisely. So for like Farmer Joe in Maury, he wouldn't just be stuck to one for each paddock, would he? would be doing like a long fellow and, and a short fellow. Mixing it up, or they are sticking just to the one fellow. One type.
2: Yeah, no, no, they'd be mixing it up. So they might like well say okay, go say they've had they've put in sorghum over the summer. Uh, they might long fallow that through back to wheat. Then from wheat they might go wheat favor beans. Uh, and then from fabers, they might go uh, they might go back to say wheat again. And then long fallow that through back to a summer crop. Um yeah, that's, that's probably not a typical rate, but it is an example. Uh, other form I do is they might say grow cotton, then double crop that back to chickpeas. So you've got no fallow whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and then you go from, say, that chickpea crop back to a wheat crop the following winter. So then you've got a short summer fallow, then have a long fallow back to some sort of summer crop, whether it's uh, cotton or sorghum.
1: Yeah, excellent. So Farmer Joe's back. Um, he's been smashing out his crops for ten years. He's never put a cover crop in. What benefits would he see initially from the from putting in a cover crop?
2: So for us, I see your main benefit in a cover crop is just that added moisture retention. Um, so you get some some crops like say sorghum because they have wide row spacings, cotton. Uh, Canola and a few of your other pulses—they don't leave a lot of stubble behind, and if they do, it breaks down quickly. So it leaves a lot of bare earth, and that really degrades fallow efficiency. Stay. The more stubble you got, the more moisture you're going to retain from those rainfall events over your fallow. So I guess that's going to be his his main thing. Something there gets it up, gets a lot of biomass there, and then sprays out cover over his ground. So he should capture more of the rain. That falls over that fallow period um, a few people you know uh, like there was an example up at Yalarbin trial that was run up there, they were in, um, in pretty well continuous cropping it was uh, wheat cotton rotation so you would come out of a wheat crop go straight into cotton then go back into wheat uh, it was under irrigation so they didn't have that same moisture limiting effect. Uh, they ran a series of treatments up there. They, you know, had your cereal-type treatments. They had a, um, a legume-type treatment. And they had a tillage, tillage radish treatment. And then they had a bit of a multi-combination, multi-species mix. And, but the treatment that got the best result up there was that tillage radish because uh, it's got a nice big tap root on it. It was getting down in their saic soils and just smashing it up, building up the soil structure. And so the next cotton crop that came along, the cotton plant's roots were able to really get down there, really infiltrate the profile and make the most use of the moisture and the nutrition that was down there as it could. Um, yeah, they, they evaluated what was the best treatment by the yield of that following cotton crop and tillage radish just smashed it by far in that circumstance. So depending on the result you're looking for and what your limiting factors are, uh, it might affect the type of cover crop that you sort of go with.
1: Yeah, right. I so, like, you can get results clearly after you get your, your cotton crop or your wheat crop, but um, after putting in your cover crop, is there a way that we can probe around to see, like, the results as, like, your cover crops in action, like moisture probing around the paddock to see the increase in moisture buildup or?
2: Yeah, yeah, so you can do that. You, some people can can see a result just by whacking down a moisture probe where there is and where there isn't a cover crop. Um, all this trial work that's been done, they've always got a nil treatment in there, something that's just left as a normal fallow. Um, so it always gives you something to compare it back to. And a lot of the trials that have been done around that northern New South Wales area, uh, they've been going over the... Um, going over the the trial area with machines that actually read how much moisture is in each plot and tracking that over time, uh, which it'd be a fairly costly exercise and it takes a fair bit of time, but in that trial work, it's really, really useful and it's just been validating their results. Um, But I mean, the easiest way for a grower uh, to see whether something is or isn't working is if you're doing the whole paddock to it, just leave a strip or two out. And that's going to show up on your header. You're just going to see it there in the yield monitor, uh, whether it's had an effect or not.
1: Yeah, you can't really get much better evidence than that. Um, I've seen a little bit on our own place doing that, just like we're spraying out and not spraying out. Um, but I imagine for doing a cover crop, you would definitely see the benefits, of course.
2: Yeah, no, that's it. That's it.
1: So before the show, like you touched on how can grazing work into this, like, can you chew out your cover crop with sheep and cattle or what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, for me, I find that I, um, I, I, I really believe that in, that in my area and in the system that we're operating in, a cover crop is really just about getting the ground cover up as quick as you can and spraying it out as quick as you can to build up moisture. Yep. And for us, you're really going to get, you know, get your best, uh, Bang for buck, they're out of some type of cereal, whether it's oats, rye corn, a millet, something like that. But if you're in, say, a higher rainfall environment um, or you've got a bit of irrigation to play with, uh, I think a, a multi species grazing mix works quite well. Um, or even just instead of putting in a crop, uh, just working a multi species grazing forage into your rotation, I, I think it works quite well. Uh, one, You know, it gives you an option to get in that tillage radish uh, to bust up your soil and a few of those legumes to boost a bit of nitrogen. And two, I find you probably get better grazing out of it. Uh, You'll you'll find your sheep or cattle will pick a favourite plant, whether it's that radish or the the legume, and they'll just seek it out throughout the paddock Uh, and they'll end up with a more even grazing of the paddock. So instead of them just working their way out from a camp, flogging some areas back to bare earth and barely touching others, you tend to get a more even grazing across the paddock. Um, yeah. and on top of that, like, yeah. Um, but I was just going to say, on top of that, like in a multi species mix, I feel like there's probably a bit of potential there in a long term context, uh, but we just really haven't seen the trial work around it. Um, what we sort of need is trial strips uh, in an Australian context uh, where you just go back year on year putting in the same cover crop in the same area and tracking those results. Uh, I feel you probably would get an increase in soil carbon uh, and I suspect your soils would become better in time, but without actually having some hard data, I'm, I'm always a bit a bit hesitant in recommending it. But in saying that, I'd love to give it a go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're like relying on the data there, um, it's a perfect way to rely back on statistics, not just going off your own... Um, instincts, that's excellent.
2: Yeah, no, that's it. you've always got to have the data to back up your decisions.
1: For the like cover crop, we're putting one in, um, Farmer Joe Maury's putting one in. Is he getting nutrients back into the soil prior to spraying it out?
2: Uh, not really. Look, there's um, if you had a legume component in there, yep. he's going to get more nitrogen into the system. But other than that, unless you're sowing it with a starter fertiliser or he's applied manure or something like that up front, you're not adding nutrients to the uh, to the system. You're going to circle them. Uh, you'll probably draw some up from depth, and as the plant breaks down, you'll spread them out on top. But at the end of the day, other than a bit of nitrogen, from if you've got a legume in there, you're not adding nutrients to the system. It's a, um, I mean, yeah, that's probably a whole other topic for another day. But, yeah, um, yeah. You, you, there's no way to add nutrients to a system other than physically applying some sort of fertiliser, whether it's, you know, MAP, super, manure. Um, Nitrogen's the only exception to that rule and it it only works with legumes.
1: Yeah, right. So we're purely going for the stubble to hold that moisture in the soil for the next round?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You're just building up that ground cover. Um, If someone... Want to put starter down with their cover crop, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I always think you should take advantage of every opportunity you've got uh, to add more nutrition to the system. Uh, but if yeah, they're in a position where they, they don't want to spend that money or can't afford to, that's, that's fine. Um, but yeah, if you had the opportunity to add that extra nutrition, I'd definitely go for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So time this all in, um, the economics of it, the costs associated, um, definitely far outweigh not doing it. But how, like, how costly is it, do you think?
2: Well, it sort of depends on how you do the numbers, but I would probably work on the seed costing 30 to 40 bucks a hectare. Um, your time sowing it's probably about $45 a hectare. So you're, you're sitting about 75 to $80 a hectare uh, there just to put it in. Um, and and uh, look, if you were to put a bit of starter down with it, that's probably going to cost you somewhere around oh, 30 to 40. So you could be pushing up to 120 hectare to get it in. Uh, but if you are to do it as cheap as possible, grab some old oat seed out of the silo um, and just jam it in, you know, it might only cost you... 50, 60 bucks to do it, and you could account for that in a couple of fallow sprays. In the same time that you will be growing this crop, you'd probably normally be doing oh, at least two, maybe three fallow sprays, um, and you can recoup the cost that way. On top of that, when you've got a bit more of competition there, it like it, yeah, you're less likely to get that weed burden later in the season, and hopefully, because you've retained so much more moisture from having that cover crop in. You're more likely to have a high yielding crop next season, and that's where you're really making your money back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I imagine like there's a bit of throwback. Like I can't see into the future whether the moisture profile will be there. How do you educate the farmer saying like that's is going to save you money by spending money?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, no one's got that perfect crystal ball that predicts the future. But um, you know, success is just well, good luck, and I guess success is just the the crossroad of being prepared and an opportunity arising. Uh, so if you're not setting up to try and take advantage of a situation when it occurs, you're not going to be able to take advantage of it. It's you just got to do that groundwork, do that preparation. I mean, yeah, if if you if you didn't think you were going to get rain and you know get a crop in next season, you you probably wouldn't be in farming anyway. Um, and you wouldn't be doing a whole heap of other stuff like maintaining your fallows, uh, you know, repairing your machinery. You've really got to just set up and be prepared on the assumption that at some stage you will get that rain, you will get that opportunity and it will all pay itself back in the long run. And even if it doesn't in that particular year, over time, you know, it'll average itself out and you will be in front of where you'd be otherwise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's excellent. We might tie it up there to keep it a short follow on the podcast for the Fun Spice Agro Roundup with yourself, Martin. Thanks for coming on. No. excellent.
2: No worries, Crazy. It was good to be here. Look forward to next time.
1: What other topics are we going to speak about next time?
2: Um, Not sure. If I guess if any of your listeners have got a suggestion, I'd be happy to hear them.
1: Right, we might shout that out on Instagram to see what's out there at the moment what people want to hear about so we'll go from there excellent
2: ah sounds good
1: thanks mate good podcast speak soon all right cheers thanks for listening to the Farms of our special episode with Martin Murray and myself where we talk everything agronomy if you have a question or a topic you want us to cover let us know across our social media channels or email us at hellofarmsadvice.com.au. Don't forget to add your agribusiness to our online directory a free resource for Australian agribusinesses so join us today Stay tuned for Monday's episode Cheers